Let's talk. Pat here with Jimmy, Andy, and special guest, very special guest, friend of the show. Actually, second time being on the show. If I if I recall correctly, you do. Accurate. Doesn't really yeah. need an introduction, but I also uh, a wet bandit teammate. Wet bandit teammate, which you probably doesn't want to admit right now. We'll Not have really. a wet bandits update. Very brief. Wet Bandits update later on in the show. As I mentioned, though, needs no introduction, but I made one for him anyway because I got this new piece of equipment. Tony Two Baggers. Tone cold, Anthony Valone. Like it. Welcome like back to the one. show. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony joins us again this time. Talking business. A and E is releasing a series of WWF documentaries, starting with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which came out two weeks ago, I believe. Yes. Yep. We all watched it recently. Anthony is the uh, resident wrestling expert on the show. He is the the Dave Filoni of wrestling history. He's that wow. he's that good. He's the nice. Dave Filoni of. And if you don't know who that is, go look him up. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, Jimmy. Yeah, way to lay it on thick. Hey, oh yeah, <laughs> it on the back. it's okay though. Like my cream think... cheese and my bagel sandwiches. Thick. <laughs> Anywho, we got this awesome documentary. I watched it last night. It's awesome. Uh, basically, recaps Stone Cold's career through wrestling, his rise to stardom, and the run that he went on that's basically been unmatched as far as the quick rise ascent to the top. And just as Paul Heyman put it, he basically saved the WWE. So, okay, well, since you bring it up, that's pretty much the clip uh, that I had. So I'm just going to play the sound clip from the documentary to kind of start the conversation. Um, and it's a, hearing a little bit of what we just heard, but it's it's just a really good clip. And you're hearing Triple H, Stone Cold, and then Paul Heyman in this clip. It was the era of holy shit. Steve Glass was the soundtrack to holy shit. No matter what was happening, psh, holy shit! Right? Like, that was the moment. I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. Whether it's an arena of, of 2,000 or 20,000 or 100,000, they know when that glass breaks, there's a summit coming out there to deal out a can of world bass. That was the walk of a guy who had been down the road, paid his dues, learned the business, 
got over despite what anybody else thought about him. This guy's not marketable. He's never going to draw no money. The company finally picked me, and that's the guy walking to the ring. The character of Stone Cold Steve Austin was a very reality-based persona, which is not what this industry was built on. So the whole Attitude Era that was ushered in was ushered in as an extension of the personality that was brought out by Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that makes him, in many ways, the most pivotal human being and character in pro wrestling history. I mean, obviously, massively high praise, but... Um, Anthony, as the wrestling expert on the podcast, what were your thoughts uh, overall, just on the documentary? I thought it was outstanding. I uh, agreed. Just like he said, goosebumps kind of throughout the entire thing. Like it took a couple days for the for the goosebumps to go down, and I actually just watched the uh, first like forty five minutes today, just to kind of get a little a little refresher. And same thing, just hearing him talk and hearing basically what everyone had to say about Steve it just goes to show you that number one I mean he the most important character most important draw the most important champion that ever was in the business and that's that's beating out Hogan that's beating out rock I feel like and and Jimmy knows the rocks my guy he's my he's my number one personally but as far as business goes Austin kind of revolutionized what what we watched growing up and thought it was really interesting too that um kind of growing up and as you got older you started to sort of learn more about wrestling and how it was not two guys just literally beating the shit out of each other but it was more of a show and acting a little bit and things like that but the character of Stone Cold Steve Austin really um, mimicked his Steve Austin's true personality rather than when he was first coming up and he was, uh, what was it? Stunning Steve Austin. Stunning Steve Austin. Austin. That was more of a grand showman character built persona. And then when he became famous is when he was really just kind of being himself. And obviously things are, exaggerated and things like that but for the most part that was that was just steve austin out there yeah i mean it was it was really cool to see um what all the trials and tribulations that he went through the fact Mm -hmm. that um he was clearly just built for this he was just physically uh a, a fit guy and and big He's still and strong. in great shape. Oh, That's yeah. one of the observations I had. Still he was still just shape. huge. Uh, but then when he got to the ring, just talked about how it just felt natural. Um, but then just never really getting uh, the good character. And even when he pitches this idea for Stone Cold Steve Austin, they, the creative comes back to him with all these shitty nicknames. Like Fang McFrost and Mr. Freeze. and <laughs> Chili McFreeze is now Chili every McFreeze. username I'm ever going to yeah. use. I ju- Jimmy, Jimmy, I was just about to say that I'm, <laughs> I'm claiming that right now for my fantasy football team this year. <laughs> Those Chili are all good. We're not, we in should the, just luckily, we're not in the same uh, – we're not in the same – any of the same leagues. But, yeah, that's that's definitely – Chili McFreeze. Chili McFreeze. The greatest it, it just kind of goes – Greatest, worst wrestling name ever. <laughs> well, and it just kind of goes to show, too, how the creative – kind of works against you almost with the even like the ringmaster when he got that moniker when he first came to the WWF he talked about how it was just boring and 
he eventually just changed the color of his trunks because no one was paying attention anymore. Right. And he was just my favorite. So my favorite line that he ever, I got, I got two, two things. My favorite line that he ever says, cause I listen to his podcast all the time. He doesn't do it anymore, but uh, I listen to like the old episodes and, and his, uh, his idea of the ringmaster was that it was the drizzling shits like that. That's what he, that's literally <laughs> what he says. If something is so bad, it's the, it's the drizzling shits. And you could totally hear him. That's saying, a fantastic like, that's term. Great. You could totally hear him saying saying it. I wish I could do an actual Stone Cold impression, but um, yeah, the drizzling shits is is basically what the ringmaster was. And then my second point, uh, Andy brought up how it's how it used to be like so character driven, and like it was the dumpster man, and like you know, it freeze man, and 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 this guy, and the, the clown, and the you know whatever, right his his thing that he always says and, and a lot of people say triple h will say it mick foley will say it it's basically the best gimmicks of that time were just your personality turned to 11 yeah so like that's always what stone cold said he was like i that that was me just turned to 11 when when it was time to go out there and take care of business turn up the turn up the volume to 11 and just start raising hell so i feel like that kind of paved the way too for the modern era of wrestling there are far far less you know like kind of ridiculous characters that are out there and more right. just just names. like roman roman reigns where like, kevin owens not... like seth rollins yeah, exactly just like yep. regular dudes now mm-hmm. all their first and last name yeah and, and right exactly for the most part they all use i mean they for the most part they use just their first and last name or they'll yep. have you know their first name and then like a little gimmick name but yeah for the most part it's all just like you said they're just regular Regular one of the people. things I found super interesting was, and I can't remember his name, one of the uh, creative writers said they would basically be in the room and say, what could we have Steve do now? Because, I mean, when he came out with the Zamboni, when he came out with the beer truck, it was basically like, how much more ridiculous could we get this? And and we bought it. We loved it. Yeah, we couldn't Bruce, wait to Bruce see Pritchard. It. Yes. Bruce it was, Pritchard was a guy awesome. who, who, if you want to talk about wrestling, I'll, I'll just go ahead and throw that. He was brother love. The Never knew that. Take, yeah, the... <laughs> The Dang. Undertaker's red wow. faced, red faced, uh, creepy. I didn't know that. Yep. See, he's the Dave Filoni of WWF. That's what I'm talking. <laughs> I have to throw that one in there because I knew that for sure, and I, I, that's my, uh, that's my one that I had to. So one of the other observations that I noticed, and I don't, I don't think I could put how I felt about this until I heard an actual wrestler say it, and then it kind of made sense to me. Was Kevin Owens said, like, we're good. But we'll never be stone cold. And lately, when I've watched wrestling, I feel like I haven't enjoyed it as much because I'm always thinking, well, they're not the rock. They're not stone cold. They're not mankind. So I need to kind of I need to kind of back off of that and reset my expectations because you're never going to have that again. I mean, first of all, the whole the whole era of wrestling is different. They can never get away with the attitude era now like they did 20, 30 years ago. So but even even the, the WWE stars are cognizant and know that that we're never going to be him. We're just trying to be as good as we can be. And I thought that was a very interesting point and kind of helped me reset my expectations of wrestling. My favorite part was seeing, and I mentioned this to Andy before we started recording. When we watched this stuff, we were kids. So we were experiencing it through that lens of like innocence. And now watching back and seeing how some of this stuff came together like, for the example, the fact that he won King of the Ring 
came because Triple H and HBK and uh, Razor Ramon and uh, <clears throat> Kevin Nash, Kevin Nash, they yeah. all came together and kind of did a curtain call after one of the matches and broke that curtain, and Vince McMahon got pissed. So they put him in that position. So even even when he did create this awesome character, the company still wasn't ready to put him at the top, and and he and he still kind of just you know had to earn his way, even if it was you know kind of by default. And, and then to see the promo that he cuts uh, just off of a whim, how he talks about yeah. it, just pretty much came off the dome like that. That just proves that he was going to be a superstar regardless of when his opportunity came because. I mean that's got to be one of the best promos that that's ever been cut in wrestling, and it and and then to see that next night on Raw when they showed the crowd with all the Austin three sixteen. Mm-hmm. I mean that was I got Literally the chill. I got the chills everyone. talking about it now. It was, and I remember experiencing that, Jimmy. That when they showed Vince McMahon, you're fired. Yeah. I was like, we I was there. there. I yelled we that out there. loud. I didn't kind of <laughs> yell. Alyssa was sleeping. So I was like, I was there, but it was just, uh, it was so awesome seeing this what i experienced as a kid and then seeing it and understanding it as an adult now and also seeing like everything that he sacrificed as a human in order yeah. to really get to this point he he put everything out there and put everything on the line until he couldn't anymore and it's just i have like way more respect for him now just seeing like how at peace he is with everything too but just like sacrifice his relationship with his daughters and his family and 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 he knows and admits that like you know he was a crappy dad, but he's trying to to make amends and uh, right. It was it was interesting to see like that side. You don't realize these guys are just on the road driving and like you know doing all this in between out being out there performing every night, right? You know, three I, nights I also a week. and I've always had an appreciation, but now I appreciate Vince McMahon even more, who just went out there and said, "Beat the hell out of me, do whatever you want to me. Let's make this." You know, employee versus boss thing is as realistic to people as we can. And it worked. We bought into it. We loved it. You hated Vince McMahon, but you know just how how much of an integral part he was to making Stone Cold who he is today. And it's cool to know that that through their trials and tribulations, they still have a really good relationship that seemed to be broken for a while and now has been repaired. Yeah, seeing him kind of admit towards the end there that that like he's basically one of a kind like there's no one else like like Steve Austin I feel like that was like a big moment because because like you said they kind of have had a, a, a you know a rocky relationship towards the end of his career and then since he retired and um Vince McMahon looks like a balloon like uh yeah it's it's like what only and like, it's worse because they're like showing something. clips of him when he looks young and right. like fit and normal and then they go back to him and it's like straight up blow up doll yeah, yeah, it's he, rough. He's a weird. He's a weird also, to, uh, to to go out there every night and know you're going to get kicked in the stones because he can't lift <laughs> his leg that high because of how tight his jean shorts are and to do it anyways, that that's dedication. Great, that was a great little, yeah, that yeah. was a great little, that was a great little uh, tidbit. Tidbit, yeah, in there. It, it was. I mean, all around, the, the documentary was, was, you know, really well done. Um, I took a couple of notes um, that we've talked about so far, but the, the, the rich rich kuklinski thing about how we kind of he was watching a serial killer document not mm. a ser- no he was re- worked for the mob he's right he's a hitman hitman yeah and just to like that's what that character is based off of it's- that that second picture they showed of him where he's like staring down at the yeah. camera that was like that's what he based the whole character off of you can yep. tell and yeah that, that was my favorite part is just like seeing all the different 
clips that they had of him just walking down the aisle in character, seeing him go backstage, like kind of get into that character mode. Like he's walking by all these people and it's just like, you just see him kind of peek over their shoulder. Like that's stone cold. Yeah. All the production it, people. It was, it was Ruth. Like it was like, again, it was like a ruthless, just him walking down. Like, like he had that, he had that, that ice in his yes. veins. Like when that glass broke, like he literally that he became that, Right, that person, like he, and that he that just, head bob yeah, of him, it was, wa- was so intimidating. Just yeah, Shane oh, McMahon so mentioned great. like all the he's always you know speak, t- talking to himself when he's walking, whatever he's saying to himself, like he just like is getting it's into that best. character. Yeah, it's the absolute best, and I feel like like those are the things that take those are the things that take a character to like the next level, like being able to do those little intricate things and like the way you walk and the way you stomp and the way that you talk shit in the ring and like. Agreed. All of those little things, like that's that's you personally as a character. But think about like how intricate every and like how much everyone around him that played a vital role in his character development, how important they were. Like going all the way back from like you said, Triple H and the curtain call and all that stuff, and then the whole Jake the Snake Roberts doing the 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 religious promo. And then Mark Marrow busting his lip and sending him to the hospital to where Michael P.S. Hayes is telling him, like, hey, he just did a religious promo. So Austin's like, all right, cool. I'm going to roll with it. This is what I'm going to do. And then Austin 316 comes. And then Bret Hart. And then, you know, even, like, the Mike Tyson stuff and Vince McMahon all the way up to The Rock when we don't have anyone for Austin to fight. What are we going to do? All right, well, we'll take the second biggest guy in the company, put them together, and they make the, you know, one of the best rivalries in, in wrestling history. It's just... Everyone, every little thing had to happen perfectly in order for right. you know, his career to to take off the way that it did. And like we said in the beginning, like he was the hottest commodity ever. Like I also, Louie um, Hogan. One thing that agreed. As a kid, you see all these adults kind of messing around, and they're just they're just adults at that point. Like you have no reference of how old they are or anything like that. They're just older than you, but because he had his come up as stunning Steve Austin and things like that, like the stone cold Steve Austin character, he was relatively old when that whole era kind of started and gives you even more appreciation for all the shit that he did with laying his body out on the line and things like that. Probably going up against guys almost half of half his age, like just crazy. Yeah, and watching that that pile driver from Owen Hart, and then like really breaking down, you see him crawling, and he can't use his hands. I'm just gonna say when he's crawling on his forearms, and you can see his hands like clenched, kind of like yeah. this, like he can't even move them. And then he talks about like you know the worst, uh, what do they call roll it, up. the, the roll up, and like yeah. you know, but it's in the history of wrestling. I mean, it was you. You saw it when he started to go down, how the way that his head was peeking underneath. It was like a turtle head poking out of your ass. Yeah, and you yeah, had to take a yeah. dump, but it, you like you knew that was going to be bad. And and the fact that he had like a hesitancy in the, when he they were talking about it pre match is just kind of like eerie too. Like it's almost like he he sensed that 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 okay. He's like, all right, that doesn't really feel right. But he had just kind of you know gotten this come up and was rolling with it and didn't want to ruin it. You know, this is he was winning the Intercontinental Title. He's not gonna he's right. not gonna try and like you know. Yeah, that was a huge so. My neighbor, we uh, we recently, well, not recently, like we, you know, became good friends, and and he kind of got me back onto 
this whole like wrestling thing. And like with all these biographies coming out and like dark side of the ring and, you know, all this stuff happening, like I've, I've gotten like back to, you know, I'll watch it every now and then. Like I watch WrestleMania, we, we watch the Royal Rumble and this and that. And, uh, and we were just talking the other day about um, the idea of that, that exact thing, like that horrible roll up, that horrible, you know, that horrible situation. But it like just goes to show you how consummate of a professional Owen Hart is to like be able to kind of distract from what was going on and like kind of push the referee to the side and like tell him like, you know, what are you doing? This and that, blah, blah, blah. I just wish that they would, they would not have done that roll up the way that they did. Like if you know that something's wrong, you know that he has a broken neck or you know that he's really hurt, figure out, figure out something else. Cause chances are, if he's hurt, he's going to be on the shelf for a couple weeks. He's going to be, so why give him the title? And then, so that was like the one thing I was talking about to him the other day. I'm like, God, I just wish they didn't do that shitty roll up because they could have. Yeah, that was something. bad. It it was literally like he was just like standing there and like, and Owen was like flopping like it was it was stupid. It was I mean, so that's dumb. basically just breaking the curtain as well, too. You know what I mean? Right. Like for them exactly. to just go through with it like that, it's that might as well just be curtain calling at the end of a match with an, with your opponent. Yeah, especially especially when there's things in place like shit. If this guy gets hurt. Like he gave him the pile driver. Hey, Owen, I can't move. I can't feel anything. Pin me. Take it. Take it home. Let's go. Pin me. Right. And we'll figure it out afterwards. Like, right. you know. But yeah, it, it's it's. There's a lot of like little videos like that of of things like that happening in the ring and like you know. Well, that, what, that what professionals will do when that stuff happens, and it's it's pretty cool to watch. That's another interesting aspect that I don't think a lot of people think about with wrestling when they showed his last match against The Rock and how it, it had to be The Rock, basically, because of all the history that they had. And then at the end of that match, just The Rock basically wanting to just express as much emotion as possible towards him, but yeah. n- but not being able to. And just bumped, really right? just kind of like staying <laughs> on a knee so he could tell him exactly what he was feeling and how much he appreciated everything that he did for him yeah, without really just being able to hug him and be like, you know... But, you know, to hear them both say, and the way that Stone Cold described it, you know, two big, strong-ass dudes laying in the ring telling each other that they love one another. Like, <laughs> right. you know, it's just because, yeah, but you don't realize all that they, all this effort and energy that they put forth together, and they're the only ones who understand what each other is going through. So Right. And I tried looking this up and couldn't find it, and it just, just thought just kind of popped in my head. So I, I could be way off. But was that the only time the Rock's ever beaten him one-on-one? Because I couldn't remember another time where I mean every every highlight you see of the two of them, it's always a rock getting his ass kicked. Maybe so I, I clean. Couldn't... It might be the only time he's ever beaten him clean. Right, like where it wasn't a DQ or yeah. yeah. I, I honestly I couldn't find it and I couldn't remember, so I want to do some research on that and follow up. But but I I mean every highlight just him getting stunned. And as many matches as they had like one on one against each other. There were so many matches that the two of them were involved in that weren't even scheduled matches that, (laughs) quote-unquote, Steve Austin versus The Rock. Right. Where they just inserted themselves into other storylines. Whatever they want. Yeah, it was awesome. Because they had that power. I can't remember specifically, but anytime one of them saved the other, it was just like, your week was made. Like, you're just sitting there waiting, (laughs) and you're hoping, and you hear that music. And you see the rock coming out, John or Stone Cold run out, John, and they clear eighteen guys out of the ring and they glare at each other and then walk away. It was just like, oh man, that that was that was. I remember Pat and I being out like with our friends. We'd be like, oh, we got to go home. 
Raw's coming on and you'd leave what you were doing and we would go home, we'd sit and watch wrestling. It was it was like you had it was prime time TV. You had to be there. Yeah, glorious. It was the best. Appointment television. That's the words I'm looking for. My favorite clip they showed was when uh Vince McMahon's in the hospital and oh. he's dressed up like the doctor. It's just like uh, Don't worry, just, nurse. Yeah. I'll take from here. <laughs> Smashes him with the pan. It's just so there good. Nothing, there was nothing fake about that bedpan. No, oh, no. Nothing fake about that. I'm Stainless steel bedpan. And also, I completely forgot about the him pretending to give him an enema or whatever it was. When you just see him going, he's just yeah. like, ah! ah. Perfect. That's what I love about it, too, because you wonder how much they know of that stuff going in. Because I feel like Austin just seems like a guy who really kind of kept to himself and his best moments, things just kind of came to him in the moment. Like, he has so well, many good... He, he, they right, they said the whole... they talked about hitting him with the bedpan. Like, Vince brought it up right. and Stone Cold was like... But the enema Are thing... You sure? You know oh, what I mean? Like, you know, like something yeah. like that. Throwing, he's like, well, you know, who's going to pitch that? What if I shove a tube up your ass? That'd be funny. <laughs> Could you imagine that thing on TV now in today's day and age that would be red flagged all over the place? So much stuff. I love when they just showed that chick with the huge tits flash the camera just <laughs> dead on. They're like, the Attitude Era pushed the boundaries. <laughs> it was... And uh, uh, Big Cat coming on to say probably the most expulsions, detentions, suspensions ever, which is the kids going suck it all the time to each other. Oh, without question. So good. I'm curious as to Wait, why. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's so true. Why was he like, that, it's just funny that he was one of the random. Yeah. You know what? I think I could be wrong, but I think A&E airs the show Bar Rescue. Um, and he's been on a couple episodes of that. He's friends with John Taffer. So... Yeah, I was going to say, only that, thing was I think of, that was for sure him just calling in some right. favors, saying, I mean, he I is a pretty prominent media figure now, but I just, yeah. he's they've interviewed yeah. him too, so maybe that's... I was just going to say that that um, Barstool's um, had a couple interviews with, with Stone Cold, and I don't know if, I don't know who was, like, producing the documentary. Maybe he, maybe Stone Cold had a hand in producing all these that are coming out and kind of called in a favor for an interview for an interview he missed a big opportunity though because i know for a fact he has a stone cold steve austin track suit that he's worn yeah. for jumpsuit I, yeah, I know january that they're all like they're all like should have really worn big. that he, he's a huge because i know that he had like a wrestling i i, I want to say that he had like a wrestling podcast or he did something something on one of the podcasts where he talked i like, know they have a video where him and dave dressed like uh like Bret Hart at WrestleMania. at WrestleMania and like walked around and interviewed people. It was pretty funny. Um, back when Dan was like, like pretty fit. A co- a yeah, he actually like didn't yeah. look, he looked decent in the leotard. So yeah. quick question for you, since you're like the, the resident wrestling expert, the, the f- Alyssa watched like 15 minutes of it with me. And the only question that she had was why do they wear Speedos? That was literally the only question she had about anything that she consumed. And I was like, all right, you can go to bed. <laughs> I think that, honestly, I think that's just like the like the glamour aspect of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like being able to see, like like bodybuilders. Exa- that's what I said, because they're, they're physiques. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, she's like, well, they don't I all look too. like that. And I was like, well, I don't know what you want me to tell you. That's just. Think, well, the ones yeah, that don't look just... like that don't wear the Speedos. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right? Why do you think mankind has like leotard pants on and. And a dress shirt. Right. 
yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other thing too. There's that other show that I was just gonna say is is awesome. The one that yeah. follows it, it's like apparently so there's cool. all this this gear from the WWF's past that's like missing. Like eighty percent of like it's, memorabilia yeah. is missing. So it's a it's a really that, that's a really interesting cool show. It's it's uh. It's like greatest treasures or whatever. Yeah, WWE, uh, WWE's greatest treasures. It comes on right after this the the documentary series every week. Yeah. So and we're gonna have Anthony on for the next couple of weeks because it's a what five, six. No, I, I want to say eight. Do we eight, really? Do we know um like the whole lineup? Is it out anywhere like where you can yeah. see? Because uh, I know it's Rowdy Roddy Piper, and then uh, Macho, Macho Man. Man's- are they doing uh, one on the Warrior, rock? I think. No, it's no. Uh, Booker T's on there. Sean Michaels, Bret Hart. Okay. Um, and I think that, I think that's it. I think it's it's Austin, Roddy, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, HBK, Booker T, Bret Hart, and I'm missing one. Trying to pull it up really quick. Yeah, I'm missing. Okay. One. So we got a nice little series. It might be Taker, but I don't I, think so. Oh, I hope it is. That would be That'd be cool because they interviewed him a you know a bunch in yeah. in Austin. Yeah. All right. Well, Tone, appreciate you joining us to give us your expertise. Looking forward Absolutely. to having you on I'm for. Pumped. I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Steve I'm, I'm, Austin, I'm... Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Mick Foley, and oh, the Ultimate Foley, War yeah. and oh, Ultimate Warrior. Hell yeah! Okay. All right. Perfect. Cool. Well, yeah, can't I'm, have Undertaker. I'm, I'm happy with. All right. Me. Well, looking sure. forward to having you on for the rest. Enjoy your partay. Oh, yeah, guys. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. All right. Later. See you guys. Take it easy. That was fun. That was fun. It's so fun to relive all this stuff. Like, I was just – there's so much about that. Like, just just the beginning is him. I mean, he was jacked in middle school. Dude had enormous hands in middle school. The fact he's a straight-A student in high school and and then drops out of college and nobody wants to become a wrestler and – you know, was ecstatic when he got, you know, 75K a year to wrestle in WCW. And and then you see the the flip side of that, about how he, he, he was so consumed with wrestling. He basically ignored his wife. He ignored his kids. He was he was on, you know, top by himself. He They said he embodied that don't trust anybody moniker that he talked about. So it's not all glamour. I mean, yes, he's famous. Yes, he, he you know, has a ton of money, but we saw the injury. You see the the loneliness. I think I told you guys to completely pivot and go off, Mark, that I saw him walking through the Las Vegas airport the first yeah, time I was I there. That. And I, I didn't think it was him because he had a Stone Cold shirt on, the fanny pack, the George, the boots. But it, it was him. Like, I, I did like a two or three takes, and I'm, holy shit, that's, that's actually Stone Cold Steve Austin you didn't walking say anything through Vegas him? airport. No, I was so, like, starstruck. Yeah, you just couldn't. You, I couldn't even speak. Now Seems I probably like a missed opportunity. Me when oh, I saw Jerry Lawler, I was week, just like, I got to say ask, something. Next week, ask Anthony about he's had oh, two I've heard. encounters in Vegas with uh, WWE personalities. So we'll, oh, we'll bring I, that up next week. I've heard. All right. We're, uh, we've got a movie review coming your way. New Mortal Kombat came out on HBO Max April 23rd. We've all seen it, finally. 
Watched it last night. Gonna bring you guys a review, official review. All right, who wants to go first, or what do we what do we think? I think I have differing opinions, so I'm gonna let you go. I first. think so. I did not like it. Um, I mainly because I thought the acting was terrible, awful, terrible, distracting, distractingly bad, bad and acting and, ri- acting and writing was awful. And yes. the the made up lead character was the worst actor of the bunch. Agreed. And for his power to be an armor suit because he gets his ass kicked all the time, just just add Johnny Cage to the movie. Don't even have this guy. Don't need an original character. And th- um, and there was, was no a very odd move. There was yes. no tournament like official tournament so that was like they were getting to it i get it but i don't know i just there were fatalities were cool but i just i couldn't i was distracted by the acting i couldn't appreciate it but i did appreciate go ahead sorry and uh sonia blade were the most so my reaction at the end was i was just i was so excited for it now i will say um i think his name is joe Taslim or Telsim, the guy that played Sub-Zero and actually um, did the choreography as Sub-Zero and as Scorpion was phenomenal. Yeah. He has a show on HBO called Warrior and it, it, it was introduced it was pitched like 50 years ago by Bruce Lee and Hollywood said no way Americans will follow a, a Chinese star and this show I have not watched yet is now produced by his I think his daughter or his niece or granddaughter or something and it's supposed to be phenomenal. And he's on that show. And he is the reason I didn't give this movie a worse rating because he was absolutely incredible. And so was, um, uh, what's his name? Kano. Kano was fucking hilarious. Like he was hysterical. He, he saved that movie also, but it just was. So I gave it an official 7.000, which falls in the not good category. And yeah, it doesn't happen often. So to put that in uh, perspective, do you really have to got, add the, the three zero decimals ha- to the back to, of it? Have to. Um, it got the exact same score for me as the original Justice League, um, but it was better than both Baywatch and Power Rangers. So that's where it falls that's on good. the official one, scale. One more thing before you jump in, Andy. Another gripe I forgot to mention was. I feel like the marketing and the trailer was heavily reliant on the Sub-Zero versus Scorpion aspect of it, and there was very little of it. And then when you did get it, you had the main character mixed up in the middle of it. Agreed. I was disappointed. But to your point, Jim, those characters were good too. The the, the acting was mainly by like Sonya and Jax and like all the, you know, the, but those guys were great. But Andy, I think you have a different spin on it, so willing willing to hear it out. So I am very much on your guys' side that the acting and the writing was awful. It was distracting. It was laughable at times. Like I was sit I was sitting next to Lena and literally let out chuckles when there were just shitty one liners or just poorly delivered lines. Um very like really really bad but much like um kong versus godzilla i thought the fights um 
really kind of offset that well. And, Fights were very good. And I thought I thought the CGI could have been better. Um, I don't know what kind of budget they were working with, but there were times when the CGI looked pretty poor. Mm-hmm. But I thought the fights really did the video games justice. Agreed. Um, there were a lot of there were a lot of regular like fighting moves that came directly from the video game, and then a lot of like callbacks to fatalities, brutalities, and things like that. Like the scorpion um, breathing the fire. Like that's a that's a Mortal Kombat one. Uh, fatality from that and they've repeated it through every single game since then and so I said that I was like oh wow that's really cool that they like kind of paid that homage because Scorpion is well known for his chain ripping out of his arm and the get over here Um, but I I thought that everything that they kind of did as it related to the video game and even the dialogue during the fights felt very video game-esque um, where they kind of are shitty one-liners. And I don't know if that was on purpose or it was just continued shitty writing, but yeah. <laughs> it felt it felt on par with what the video game delivered back in the early 90s or whatever. So that part I appreciated, um, all the callbacks to the video games and the fights feeling very video game-esque. Um, that's why I did kind of... Like there were moments, there were moments of dialogue that I let out laughter because it was so bad. But there were also moments in the fights where I was like, damn, that was a really cool moment. So overall, the movie was bad, but I, I appreciated pieces of it. And I appreciated the, the callback to the video game. I, what it is, it's a video game movie. I agree with you. And I will be excited when they come out with the second and third probably just to be disappointed again i am a bears fan so i'm used to that so yeah, yeah I, kind of how I, I, hope, I hope they continue it and hopefully kind of take some critique from what the first one was i hope they don't just end it because it was bad but right. i think i think a lot of people watched it on hbo so yeah um i think their numbers are getting good so for them to continue, they definitely tease it at the end. Spoiler alert. They teased um, Johnny Cage, um, that next character. So I agree with you guys that the the new character felt very weird. I felt like very you could weird. have inserted any one of the main characters from the video game and had yes. kind of that come up story. Yes. Um, but to insert somebody completely new and trying to work off that, that seemed odd to me. And I had no idea about that going into it. I was like, from the get go, I was like, all right, who's this guy going to kind of morph into right, right, and right. become? And then they literally knocked off every single one of them. And then it just found out that it was some random dude that also has power. So I, I, I just hope that they go out and they find an actual actor to play Johnny Cage because I have no no hope that the writing will be better, but if you get a better actor, hmm. that's just less to, so go out. It doesn't have to be this amazing, well-known actor. Get somebody who can act because yeah, that and the, just the guy oof. that I thought the best, the best acted character was the guy who played Scorpion. Yes. Um, and he, he's like a noticeable actor. He's been in right. a lot of, you know, Japanese era films um, so he's recognizable, and I th- I thought it showed that he was kind of above the rest of them. Agreed. Um, 
Jim, I agree with you that I thought the best parts of the movie were the ones between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Yes. Um, they just, the, the fighting felt more natural. And I don't know if that was because they probably used less CGI than the other fights, but mm-hmm. um, I just thought they were more well choreographed. Um, just overall, I thought those pieces of the movie were way better. And Pat, I agree with you that it, it seemed like that it was marketed as a Sub-Zero and Scorpion movie, and we just didn't get that at all. So, right, right. I, I think they just tried to get too cute. They should have just leaned into more of those video game references and mm. and just kind of made it for what it is and what for Mortal Kombat is supposed to be. They should have right. just had the actual Mortal Kombat competition and not tried to make this like original Baxter, which I get, it's like you get your hands on this property and you're trying to make an original story. Right. But it right. just, um, you didn't have the acting chops to pull that off with anyone that you casted. And um, I agree that the fighting was, was good and uh, they did have some good callbacks to the game when they're doing the training and uh, Liu Kang does like three leg sweeps to Kano. Like stuff like that is just a callback to... Um, to the players who played the, you know, the first couple games on Super Nintendo or Sega, whatever you played it on. And Nick McDonald brought up a, a decent point to me that um, there's rumors, because again, spoilers, Sub-Zero dies at the end, but kind of gets like taken back into sung um smoke or whatever that stuff is. And, um, you know, the rumor is that he's going to come back as Noob Sabot. Mm. Um you guys, do you guys know how that character got its name? No. The creators of Mortal Kombat's last names are Boone and whatever <laughs> Sabot is backwards. Okay. Yeah. Tobus. Tobus. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. so so Nick brought that up and is like the the game in itself is built like on like ridiculous premises so mm-hmm. like you can't expect too much out of a movie which i understand but i just i uh i don't know i wasn't as entertained as i was hoping to be so i gave it a 6.2 so my my and, and going back to to casting a better actor for johnny cage when 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 kano delivered his lines i was laughing not at how bad they were but how good they were how yeah. funny they were they seemed so natural so was everything written the same and he was just that much of a better actor that his delivery his timing his inflection was better or did they just somehow were great at writing jokes and couldn't write another story so that's why i'm hoping they get a better actor for johnny cage because in my opinion it was it was that he was just he was that the guy who played kano was a better actor and had better delivery and if you get a professional like that i think that can take the movie not to the next level but improve upon it enough to where it's not as laughable Which is also such a shame because, spoiler, the best character from that movie is is now coming back. Unless or is some right? Well, unless they revitalize. Honestly, the like the villains were much better actors than the heroes. Mm -hmm. The ball was good too. Blade living in Gary, Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) The hell was that? A little weird. Yeah, yeah, that was strange. But uh, yeah, (laughs) I mean, go to Gary, Indiana. Right. Okay. I, I guess it's one of those things where maybe I had my expectations up too high because of one, the trailer was really good, and two, I watched the first maybe I watched the first seven minutes 
And it got me excited thinking, yeah, it was going to be a, a Sub-Zero versus Scorpion rivalry movie. And it was not that. See, I didn't see, I didn't see much. Um, I didn't spoil anything, but I did hear the rumblings that it was not great. And so I think that probably tempered my expectations a little bit. Okay. Um, but I, I still didn't think it was great. Um, I'd probably definitely watch it with a drink. It helps. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'd give it like a 6.1. Okay. So we're all, see, it's we're funny. Cause I, I page. talked it down so much more, but then I rated it higher than you did. Yeah. So, Okay. I guess dude, no, no, we're we're on this. We appreciate it for what it is, but it's not a great movie. And we all know that I do my ratings on a scale, so mine will Correct. naturally be higher. Right. But they're actually right. the same yeah. rating. Right. As, yeah. as Even if you add three decimals when they're all zeros, it's, <laughs> it's fine. All right, let's move on. Boy, how exciting is this? With the 11th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The My Chicago Bears select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. It's, it's, it's the accuracy. It's the athleticism. When you see a guy with that kind of arm talent. He's um, talking about Andy Dalton with, with that kind of quarterback makeup that he has, with that kind of work ethic that's played in really big games and really big moments and performed in big moments, um, that's extremely tough. You know, I was at the Michigan game a couple years ago when he came back in um, from a knee, and we and we know about the ribs and the hip. And I mean, this guy's toughness on a scale one to ten is an eleven, and you just love that about him. Oh, and then by the way, he runs a four four four. So you throw that all in together, um, and it, it just it just feels good. Ah! Feels good. Feels good. Cautious optimism. Caught very, yes. From Bears fans. The Bears traded up in the draft to number 11. They drafted quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State after he falls. He is the fourth quarterback drafted in the draft, and I think already he's the most talented quarterback the Bears have ever had without even playing a snap, just from okay, a talented. I didn't say, like, best quarterback from a talent standpoint. You heard what he just said. He runs a 4-4-4. He's got good arm strength. He's the most athletic quarterback to ever play for the Bears. I don't know. I'm saying the total package – I mean, the Bears have a terrible history with quarterbacks, Horrible. so I'm not going out on a limb. Like, Jay Cutler Horrible. is the only other person you could really come out no, and say an argument That's who was in mind for me. Jay so, Cutler is the best quarterback the Bears have ever so, had. So, okay, maybe I'll say he's up there. Like, Jay Jay was no slouch either. He had a lot of talent, good athlete, but a lot of optimism. Andy Dalton's still the starter. Um. I think I think that's your best case scenario. I think so too. Actually, yeah. give him an opportunity to learn, but um, I don't think this is going to be Mitch 2.0. I, I think Justin Fields established himself um, a worthy quarterback and uh, a smart quarterback. Not to say that, well, maybe to say that Mitch was a dumb quarterback, but just he never figured it out here. And uh, Justin Fields, 
all the, the advanced numbers, Pro Football Focus has a bunch just um, like throws downfield over 30 yards, touchdowns over 20 yards, uh, completions on your on his second read. He's he's like first or second in all these statistics. And I do worry a little bit about the Ohio State quarterback curse that seems to exist, but something about uh, something about this feels good. Like like the song indicated, I, I don't and I and this is coming from someone who is supposed to be boycotting the Bears. So I, I still haven't worn any gear or anything. Okay, I'm still down on on pace, and but now and you know what? Rightfully so, as you should be. This He's doesn't. I mean, nothing. they did He's pick a tackle too, to, but it's to, still. To, oh, their tackle they drafted. I am all in on. Real quick though, the I all in on. I'm that. okay with this because now. At least with Nagy, there's no excuses. This is clearly his guy, and if he can't, if his offense can't succeed with his guy, then his yes. offense can't succeed. Yes, right. But and how how long of a leash do you give him? Well, that's the other thing I don't think people are realizing is exactly. in their euphoria, we're now with Pace and Nagy for at least another three years, at least, because you're going to give him his opportunity. To, to develop his guy and to Nagy's credit, I think it's I think it's two, but two. I think so too. Two two I think one development pace. year and one year uh, with Fields on the field. I think the two of them probably are dismissed at the same time. If at the end of year two, Fields is in there and not doing what is expected of him, okay. Which I that's don't think fair. that's I don't think that's the leash on Fields. I think he probably has longer than that. Oh, but for sure. I hope so. If, if he makes it into the starting lineup, say eight games in, um, and then sucks eight games at the tail end, and then isn't good in year two with a full off season and things like sure. that, running sure. with number ones, I think Nagy and Pace are both gone because then that is not saying that Fields is a miss at that point, but right. signs would point to, okay, you just did it again. You traded up, got your guy, and right. he's not the next coming. Right. So um, I am, at, from an outsider's perspective, um, I am, I think I voiced it, I am not an Ohio State quarterback fan. Um, Correct. They have had their sample size. And that's not to say that the next, like you shouldn't draft a quarterback because of where he went to school or anything like right. that. All signs point to him being a very good quarterback, but he was also the fourth quarterback taken for a reason. Right. He wasn't one of the top three people said he could have been the third, but he wasn't. So, right. which again is a crapshoot because correct. yeah, because there are, there are some sure, viable sure how, how that's going to work. And to, to Matt Nagy's credit, his rankings of the quarterbacks came out from 2017 he had Trubisky three Watson two, Mahomes one so he was part of getting Mahomes to Kansas City and part of part of developing him in that first year so there's a lot to unpack here from from my perspective first of all you you didn't watch the Bears last year and were inspired however Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky and a better quarterback than Nick Foles. Do I think he's going to get us to the promised land? Absolutely not. I have zero confidence in him. I'm just saying from that standpoint alone, Justin Fields should, and kind of like you said, maybe like halfway through, should start to get playing time, game eight, game nine, game 10, whatever. And then after a full year of learning, getting some playing time, coming in the year after, 
he better be okay. This is, I'm not saying Mahomes or Watson esque. I'm saying franchise quarterback esque. Starter here for the next 10 years esque. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to put those expectations on him, but you don't pick a guy that early when your job is on the line to not come out and say, okay, well, this I, is I think, special. I think really, um, PFT commenter on part of my take said it best. They, they drafted a contract extension for the both of them. And hundred percent agree. And while I don't think that's a, a negative on fields or anything like that, they could have traded up and taken Mac Jones and probably it's the same exact thing. Um, you're, you're basically just extending because now it's a wait and see game of what you did to right. do that. So right. it, I, I just, I'm cautious as a football fan to be like, okay, the fourth quarterback in the, in the draft taken is now like X amount of excitement. And I get it that you guys have not had a quarterback. The bar is very low for your quarterback so quarterback position. Can't even I just see it from see, but an I, outsider's I, perspective. I just, I think it needs to be tempered a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of an over, like overrated though, because a lot of reputable people out there still consider Fields the second best quarterback in the class. And as we've seen with 2017, where they're drafted doesn't always matter as far as like the quarterbacks where they're picked. Um, but I just think when when I look at the way that it's unfolded, I, I mean, just just seeing the way that 2017 laid out, and and they don't always work out like this. We've seen quarterbacks are probably the most unpredictable position to draft in sports, but the way that that the quarterback class from 2017 worked out is yeah you thought uh that Watson was going to be basically like a pro bowl caliber caliber player every year he's turned into that Mahomes had high upside I don't think anyone thought he was going to be this good but um those guys both had good college careers and then they proved to pay off big time in the pros Whereas Mitch was the guy who was a question mark and it only started one season. In this draft, getting, getting beat out by a Canadian football. Right, exactly. So in this draft, you had, you know, Trevor Lawrence is proven. I don't think anyone, everyone thinks he's going to be the next big thing. We'll see what happens there. But Zach Wilson and Trey Lance were kind of the two that came out of nowhere and feel Agreed. more like the Trubisky picks, whereas yeah. Fields would be more like the Watson pick or Mahomes pick. So to me, and I, I hate to have to relate everything to that, but that's just the world that we live in as a Bears fan. Absolutely. Um, but it, it just feels like, especially Trey Lance. Trey Lance took 150 less college snaps than Mitch did at the Division Two level. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's oh, more dang, about the potential, the potential upside. Right. So a yes. bottomless floor, really. So I feel more confident in the fact that okay. The Bears went out and picked a guy who had proven himself a good quarterback in college. If he comes into the NFL and fails, like it's on him. But I feel like the and Bears he balled out against one of the best defenses right. in the league. I in feel the playoffs like too. the Bears made the right pick for the quarterback. Now, if he comes in and doesn't succeed, then it's just that just sucks. We're just cursed. I don't know what it is then, but it's right. not like you look at it's not like you look at this and be like, wow, that's a head scratcher. Like you can understand them trading up to take him. He he could be the next big thing. And all Agreed. things considered, all things considered, didn't give up a ton. I mean, you gave up a first rounder, which you guys are already thin on draft picks. Right. But if, right. If a first rounder costs you a starter for the next six years, I mean, yeah, the exchange that, is if you get if you get your time. guy, then what you gave up doesn't matter in the right. long run because Agreed. you've got Agreed. your guy. Yep. All, right, all right, real quick. 
want to close the episode with this question that we pondered throughout this week. I saw it online somewhere, so I can't take personal credit for thinking of it. But but this is a damn good question. It's basically if you could take one actor's or actress's full career of filmography and combine it into one movie, who do you think would make the best movie? And it was really hard because when you started looking into this, there's a lot of actors that just have like really crap movies mixed into their filmography. So it's like, ah, but, um, okay, we'll just, we'll just throw them out there. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, so I originally had three that kind of popped into my head as potential candidates. Um, the three that I started with was Tom Hanks, on um, my list, Harrison Ford on my list and Keanu Reeves. Ooh, did not have him on my list. Um, so I eliminated Tom Hanks from the question. Um, Which because, do. because I wanted more, um, I action. Yeah. I tended to lean more action driven. Um, so I eliminated Tom Hanks, which was very tough. I mean, has comedy and drama really nailed down because at the early part of his career, everything was funny. And then he turned into an Academy Award winning actor and yep. everything in basically everything since has been really good. But Tom Hanks out. Keanu Reeves has two of the most badass franchises under his belt in the Matrix and John Wick. Mm-hmm. Um he also has speed from his early career and then has comedy as well with Bill and Ted. Yep. Um, so he was a strong candidate for me and I ended up eking out to Harrison Ford, who is my official pick um, mainly because of his two most well-known roles in Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Um, I thought the combination of those two um balanced funny and action driven very very well and then really he he's been in his share of like not so great movies but he also he was never the actor that kind of just sold out and made a shit ton of movies like it right he seemingly pick and choose what he did in his career so you add in movies like the fugitive air force mm. one get off my plane exactly like just a well-rounded action star for somebody that's not really like built to be like an action star or anything like that. He also like had that. Blade Runner, which was awesome. And that was, that was my other one was Patriot Blade Games. Runner, the original, and yeah. then 2049, which were both just awesome movies. Um, so really I, I tend tended to lean the more action route, but because of his characters, mainly Indiana Jones and Han Solo having the comedic aspect, um, that's sort of the realm that I went with is because he's been in a ton of badass movies, mm-hmm. um, a lot of really recognizable and well-known characters. Um, so that's how I kind of landed on Harrison Ford as my official pick. Okay. Yeah. So he came in at, at number two for me. Uh, Tom Hanks was on my list. I actually had uh, Will Ferrell at number three, but my number one is Bill Murray. Because okay. I tend to lean more towards comedies and, and and him similar to similarly to Tom Hanks where in his early career he was in comedies and then later um he was in more dramatic I don't want to say dramatic movies. More dramedies. 
dramedies yes like uh the what is it the, the royal tenenbaums comes mm-hmm. to mind but he had um meatballs and stripes meatball stripes and caddyshack were my probably my first when i was really young um when i first was exposed to him and then ghostbusters and what about bob are what really really drove it home for me i love what about bob um kingpin groundhog day and then of course space jam so and it helps that he's from Chicago, as is Harrison Ford, which I don't think actually really um, made me pick one way or another. But I just I love Bill Murray's body of work. I think he's so funny. He's so effort, effortlessly funny um, that he was it was close between him and Harrison Ford. Because actually, at first, my first when you Pat, when you first sent this, Harrison Ford was the first guy that popped in my head because of Indiana Jones and because of Han Solo. But as I thought about this more, which I don't think I've ever spent more time on a topic for this show than I have about this, because it I just, was it was very thought provoking. Oh, my gosh. Because you could go so, so many different ways with it. Right. I also have <clears throat> Al Pacino, Brad Pitt and John Candy on my list. But I went oh. with Bill Murray. Final answer. So I had I thought for the longest time I was going to go with Christian Bale because okay. of just not like just the physical transformations as well because he commits so much for every role. Uh, but then I started to actually try and think uh, think about it from the aspect of trying to piece a storyline together with the movies at hand. And I'm yeah, actually going to go... He's all over the place. He's all yeah. over the place. So it was kind of hard to make them like connected. <laughs> like I was trying to think like, okay, maybe American Psycho like... You know, he's a murderer, and then he's, like, on the run, so he becomes Batman. And, you know, so it was just – but it, it gets tough. But I'm going to go with Hugh Jackman, actually, because um, a little bit of variety there. He's got some musicals. I, I mean, I love The Greatest Showman. Um, but I also thought of it from the aspect that you could literally piece the movie as him – because we've already gotten a little peek of this in uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine – where he's like going through time as Wolverine. Uh-huh. Each movie could be him in disguise as Logan doing something <laughs> different, and he's still like out there being Wolverine and, and helping save the world. And he, he could be in like Les Miserables. He could be like fighting in the French Revolution and then like <laughs> singing and shit and then like be J.P. Barnum. And so I just I just like pieced the story together. I was like, that that's like kind of that. cool. So maybe not the best body of work, like not a lot of comedy in there to your guys' point. But um, I also thought just because it would be funny like about Vin Diesel because most of his oh, is just Fast and the Furious and then he turns into a tree. And then, and then yeah, yeah, he just like <laughs> like a tree, he, he crashes into a tree and he just turns into it. That's, so that's like I how the story that, ends. Now that you bring him up, when I first saw Fast and the Furious, I think I was a freshman, so I was like 14, and just thinking he was like the coolest person ever. And now as I get older and he gets older and still tries to be Vin Diesel from 2000, he's such a dork. Such a dork. Such a dork. All right. That's all we've got for this week. been that. Oh, go ahead. No. Exactly. He's just, just like, the same guy. Right. Always. He he is is similar this to like, like every movie he's in. He's, he's Vin Diesel playing Vin Diesel, just right. like Paul Giamatti's always playing Paul Giamatti. <laughs> hey, you are who you are. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna wrap it up there. I got some stuff going on, so I gotta get out of here. Thanks for listening, all of our condiments out there. We appreciate you guys. 
If you don't already, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at Bros Let's Talk. Subscribe to us there. You can find our podcast on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and basically anywhere your podcasts are listened to. It is. It lives at anchor.fm slash bros let's talk, and our website is broslettstalk.com. For Jimmy and Andy, this is Pat. Later, dudes. See bros. All right. Latest on the men, Jay. <laughs>